this week we hit the jackpot because it's game shows i suppose Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows, I suppose. I am your host, Jordan Haas. How are you doing? Are you hanging in there? I, I hope so. I, I know uh, everyone out there in the world, I hope, I know I'm just talking into a microphone. Uh, no clue about who's listening to this. But uh, if you're out there, you know about the coronavirus right now, and you most likely you're panicked, uh, panic shopping, or just in self-quarantine, uh, trying not to get cabin fever or lose your cookies. I've been there. I've done that. I still am doing that. And I just want to let you know you're not alone. Um, hang in there. There will be some coronavirus stuff uh, brought up in the upcoming weeks and months ahead. Sorry about that. Uh, that's just the way this goes, especially when an industry like game shows. So, uh, this, so I have to say it right now. Uh, hopefully, the shows will still be fun, friendly, silly, goofy, and fun looks at game shows. Uh, and you can still tune in. This week, we'll be looking at Jackpot. Jackpot! With my friend Greggy. Uh, it was a lot of fun recording that episode. Uh, but before we get to that, we got to get through the news. All right. So first, we got to go through the big news. Obviously, coronavirus. It's a serious thing. I, I mean, real serious. I knew things like uh, Amazing Race uh, had to be postponed because of it. We've been updating people on coronavirus uh, weekly right now. Um, but now, because, well, America... Uh, there's a dangerous effect in the world of Hollywood, uh, especially in the studios. So a lot of television shows had to be postponed or just uh, just shut down for the time being. And maybe we'll be back in a production in a bit. Uh, so rather than just go through all the news of every show that's been postponed, because, man, there's so many news articles about this, uh, you know, things from Wheel of Fortune Jeopardy to The Price is Right. I'm just going to list off every show currently according to what I found that has been postponed. <clears throat> Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, Bachelorette, because they just announced that. Card Sharks was about to happen. Supermarket Sweep was about to happen. America's Got Talent was about to get started with their new judges. Family Feud, uh, which is later in the fall. I mean, the episodes they've already filmed have are going to still air. Uh, American Idol, even though they're still doing auditions, you know, when they do the live, you know, the, the, when they do the voting aspect, it's live, uh, but that requires an audience vote and without an audience, what's going to happen? So there's a lot of weirdness going on for Idol, Love Island in France, American Ninja Warrior is, has been shut down now, uh, Saturday Night Takeaway in the UK with Ant and Deck, they were just about to bring that back. 
Who knows? Survivor has been uh, frozen for two two seasons now. Uh, the Price is Right has now been shut down. I'm assuming let's make a deal if The Price is Right's gone. And finally, of course, The Amazing Race. Which makes it weird is that QI in BBC is still filming, but they're going to do it without an audience to see how that works. I, I don't know if that's social distancing or whatever, but um, it is a weird place. I would say, man, we're out without game shows. Oh, man, we're without game shows and, and start panicking like uh, everything else because by last week, like sports started going under. NBA is now gone. Uh, the XFL is now gone. NHL, now gone. Uh, MLB spring training is postponed. A lot of sports is gone. So normally I'd be like, well, a good time for game shows, but with so many shows postponed uh, or can't record for the summer season or April, for that matter, uh, it's kind of weird. I know Millionaire went through with some of their run. Uh, what they decided to do was skip Ask the Audience and just do uh, Ask the Host, which is like Ask the, which is asked like Jeremy Clarkson in the UK version, but with Jimmy Kimmel instead of Clarkson. I assume they were going to do all four lifelines, but... I guess uh, they decided to do three just to play it safe for right now. Uh, it's it's a very scary time, to say the least. I know a lot of productions are on hold. A lot of production people are going to be without pay for weeks, if not months. So it's a very uh, scary time. Uh, I know a lot of people are panicked and worried about money. Uh, how much they have in their account, how much can they live off of rent and all that. And I'm not going to name names, but uh, man, someone once said that doing Twitch streams and podcasting is, um, you know, uh, a sign that you failed as a person. And uh, I'm just going to just say, because I know they're not listening to this, uh, eat shit and die. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, I hope your podcast and Twitch stream does super well as you're struggling to make ends meet because you're not working in the industry, my friend. Um, anyway, <clears throat> coronavirus does affect a lot of people, and I know a lot of people in the industry do listen to this, so uh, hang in there. I know a lot of people outside of the industry who are just casual fans are also struggling with this. Maybe they work in retail and they just had to close down the shop. They had to close down their shop. Maybe they work in hospice and they can't, or maybe they work in nursing and they're going to get lots and lots of calls. They're going to hear people have coughing and they're going to think they have uh, the coronavirus when in reality it's just like the common cold or even worse. No one's going to do anything because, oh, I'm fine. And then like 10 days later, oh, bad things start happening to them. It's it's this weird frustration of a pandemic that uh, is uh, rough and... Um, I know a lot of people are self-quarantining right now. A lot of people are now going to be streaming a lot of stuff. They're going to be on Twitch and watch stuff. They're going to go on YouTube and watch stuff. They're going to do podcasting. They're going to try and make ends meet uh, for the time being. I say go for it, but I know this industry well enough to know, and I know this now enough, uh, that people who are going to start doing their, their little... Uh, podcasts and twitch streams they're doing it now but then when the new normal like phases out and they have like an opportunity to go back to work they're gonna drop you like a hat so i'm just, just 
I'm not going to name names here, but maybe, uh, you know, don't give them an inch. Just, just saying. There are a lot better people in this industry. Lots of people who've done podcasting and new shows like this one for years. Support those people. Support the little guys who are doing game show podcasting or just any podcasting for that matter. Because what you're going to see in like two, three weeks, months is going to be every weird celebrity or comedian or host or YouTuber trying to do a podcast, trying to do a Twitch stream, just trying to get out there in the internet world yet again. And it's going to be like a way to be temporary. And it's just going to be, and I hate to say this, embarrassing. It's going to be embarrassing that I, I say just hold off. Don't, you don't have to do what I'm doing. You don't have to uh, try a nickel and dime. I know you need a side hustle right now. But please, hang in there. I'm If I can guess, I'm going to say the studios will be back in about a month. Uh, with audiences, it really is a short term for the month of April. And then right around the end of April, May is when the audiences will be back. So... If you can figure a way to survive for maybe six weeks, you will be okay. Um, but I know, but I've been in this position for three months now, and I've done this podcast for over a year to know it really messes with your head. Do not do this. I'm trying to warn those people starting their new uh, career path in the world of online content. Don't do this. It's bad for your health mentally. I'm telling you this right now. Uh, and for those of you listening, going, oh no, my game shows, oh, oh no, my game shows, because I know you, you listen to this podcast because you're a game show fan, you're like, oh no, my game shows, oh no, no more game shows, oh no, uh, it's, it's no big deal. It really is no big deal. You have Buzzer on 24-7, a game show network featuring original content. They have recorded like 40 new episodes of masterminds they've recorded all these new content they will be fine you will be fine for a while hang in there enjoy and plus it doesn't have even be new shit you know like there is a lot of old stuff you can be looking at on the archives start tape trading start looking at digital archives maybe start digital archiving if you want to do something in the game show world maybe start digitally archiving game shows preserving television history as close as we can and see where that takes you because i think that is a very big important thing going on right now especially especially in the streaming market world where our faces is covered in 24 7 pundit media news and we're just like getting into panic attacks over what's going to happen day after day you want to distract yourself real quick Look at a new game show and watch it. And I'm talking to the game show world about this. Go go find a British game show. Go find a Japanese game show. Go find an Australian game show. Go find a game show from 1984 that you've never heard of or seen. Give those a watch. You don't have to panic because, you know, holy moly might be delayed for the summer. You will be okay. <laughs> uh, it, it really does not mean anything this is really a niche genre of television 
If you want, you can re-watch Survivor Seasons on CBS All Access. You can watch The Price is Right and Let's Make a Deal on CBS All Access. You will be okay. You can watch The Card Sharks Impress Your Luck and Celebrity Family Feud on Hulu. If you want to watch recent game shows, you can. Nothing is gone. It's not like the end of the world right now. It just feels like that because you're in quarantine, you're isolated from the outside world, and you feel a pandemic, which, by the way, is very dangerous and will kill people, is going to ruin, for some reason, game shows. To take it seriously is to basically just stay inside, wash your hands, do not breathe on people, do not cough on people, and just stay put and uh, hold on for fate of breath for, for when we get the clear notice from the World Health Organization, from the CDC, whatever. You will be okay if you just like spend the next 20, 30 days, maybe a couple of months, who cares, in isolation. Because right now there are people who are very sick, who might die, and I'm going to throw it out there. I'm pretty sure human lives are more important than rather or not there is an episode of Card Sharks out in May. <laughs> like, I, to me, that's where my head's at. What's more important, supermarket sweep or human lives? Probably human lives. So I'm willing to take the quarantine. I'm willing to say there's no game shows and not panic about it. Uh, the only thing I'm getting pissed about is, you know, people stepping on my turf and, and saying uh, mean shit about me behind my back. And now there's now they're fucking over and trying to do my thing. And you know what? I, no. No, you can't do that. I mean, you could. I don't I mean I'm not stopping you. But it just makes you feel like a hypocrite. You know, that it, it's one of those things where I feel like, wow, you're being a hypocrite right now. But I don't want to say anything because, well. You know, you don't want to start beefs with people in the industry, right? 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 Anyway, let's get into some other news. Uh, so, Banerjee Format uh, demands growth in the Middle East, and they are going to pick up in Middle East a Beat the Host, which is Beat the Start, a Schlogged In series, which I said in my top five game shows list last week, and March 1st, my birthday. One of my new favorite game shows... They're going to put that in the Middle East, and I'm thinking, wow, that is exciting. I know there is a new season, like a new episode out this weekend to watch with no audience, so that's going to be very impressive. And then it got me thinking, this could be the one of the rare game shows they could try and film right now because of a limited, with no audience, but they can have it with just like the two contestants, the host, and a limited crew. They might get away with it. I don't know. It sounds reasonable, but I don't know. Um, but I'm excited to see that uh, they're going to do it. Uh, it is a interesting format here. Uh, let me read this here. Uh, Beecher Host will travel to Middle East for first time as NBC commissioned Cedars Art Production, Sabah Brothers, a leading global, global production company, to produce a regional version of the format Beat the Star, locally entitled El Gleb El Saka or Beat El Saka. The contestants are all Arabic cere- uh, celebrities competing to beat the Egyptian action movie megastar Ahmed El Saka. The show will premiere on NBC on April 23rd and will air daily during the holy month of Ramadan 2020. That is fantastic. Perfect time for a new format on that show during Ramadan, though. That is, wow. Um, I am impressed. Uh, 
I, I'm going to definitely try and find episodes of that. I don't care. Uh, next. Uh, so, uh, you know Matt Lucas. Uh, you, you guys heard of Matt Lucas, right? Please tell me you've seen Lil' Bryn. It's a pretty fun uh, show. Lil' Bryn. Matt Lucas is a actor, comedian. Lil' Bryn. Uh, he was in Doctor Who for a bit. He was in Bridesmaids in America. Uh, anyway, uh, he's going to be the new co-host of the Great British Bake Off, uh, replacing Sandy Topskig on the show. So he will be joining Noel Fielding uh, for the Great British Bake Off on Channel 4, which means, heads up, people in America, when you go watch the Great British Bake Off in America, you're going to be seeing uh, Noel Fielding, the golf guy again, and then you're going to be seeing a bald gentleman uh, named Matt Lucas. And then you're going to be like, who's this bald guy? That's Matt Lucas. I'm telling you right now that's Matt Lucas. You're going to ignore this, by the way. I know the podcast listeners. They're going to watch Grapers Bake Off. They're going to see, like, Paul Hollywood. They're going to see uh, Noel Fielding still call him the golf guy. And then they're going to see Matt Lucas's bald face. And they're going to be like, well, who's this guy? Who's this funny first man? Who's this bald guy? I don't know. It's Matt Lucas. It's Matt Lucas. It's Matt Lucas. I'm going to say this right now. Uh, get it viral right now. Hashtag, his name is Matt Lucas. Uh, that way, when it happens on Great British Bake Off next season, if they can record, you know, coronavirus could delay the show. Hashtag, his name is Matt Lucas. Just hashtag, his name is Matt Lucas. His name is Matt Lucas. His name is Matt Lucas. Uh, Matt Lucas said in a uh, response on Deadline, I'm chuffed to bits to be joining the most delicious show on television. I can't wait to break bed with Noel, Peru, and Paul and meet the brilliant bakers and bearing in mind my love of cake. And I've already ordered some much larger trousers in anticipation. Great British Bake Off executive producer Richard Kirk McCow added, he's a phenomenal talent with a huge heart, and we can't wait to enjoy the mischief and mayhem that he and Noel will invariably create in the tent. Our new batch of bakers will be in, ev- in very safe hands. Uh, he was also, I think, in P- the Paddington Bear movie. If I remember, he's in Paddington Bear. Uh, so I'm excited. I love Great British Bake Off. I like Matt Lucas. Going to be a lot of fun. His name is Matt Lucas. Uh, next, uh, NBC Universal creates the secret game show under partnership with Japan's ABC TV. NBC Universal's format sales arm, NBC Universal Formats, and Ashi Television Broadcasting ABC TV have struck a deal to co-develop unscripted shows for Japanese international audiences, and their project is fresh out the traps. Together, they have created The Secret Game Show, a show in which office workers compete to win cash prizes without their colleagues finding out what they are up to. The action is captured on secret cameras and relayed to a studio audience. Anna Langberg, Senior VP of Format Sales at NBC Universal Format, said, We're already seeing great success with our scripted format suits in the territory. Look, I'm just going to throw this out here. Maybe Suits was popular not because of the format. Maybe it's because of Meghan Markle being on it. So with ABC's unraveled market know-how and expertise, we are excited to introduce what we hope to be a non-scripted hit for local and global audiences. Uh, NBC Universal Format's agreement with ABC TV follows a similar partnership in Korea, where it worked with NBC to create shows including The Game With No Name, which aired on NBC. MBC. Uh, anyway, I think that's an okay thing. 
I mean, formats, it, it is what it is. I mean, a game show is its format, and NBC Universal going into the merging of work and formats is basic of unscripted television. So this is one new revenue stream for NBC Universal. Uh, sounds to me like the secret game show uh, does seem like a Japanese-centered game show because hidden camera pranks tend to do well on, in, in J- Japan, as does reactions. So I'm guessing if they do the audience reaction to what's been going on, they'll get celebrity guests to see what's going on as well. And because it's in an office scenario, it's going to be like the Japanese salaryman stereotype, but played for comedic laughs, which I think might be interesting. I don't know how that would work translating to an American format right now. I want to see this format, though. But something tells me it's going to be kind of like Fire Me, Please. And I don't know if that format works. Um, next. Uh, oh, well, the last piece of news here. Last piece of news. Last piece of news. We're done. Well, actually, two pieces of news here. We Legends of Hidden Temple is casting. We're in the Quibi section, folks. Quibi. Quibi opens casting for Legends of Hen Temple. All mechs guide to becoming a legend. Level up your inner child and prepare for adult-sized challenges. Pick your teammate wisely. You're in this together. Accept and acknowledge that the choice is in fact yours and yours alone. Ready to rock? Enter your email by March 13th. Oh. Oh. The first received casting info for Legends of Hen Temple in our news and updates from Quibi. Okay. It's not... They're, they're, they're casting soon. Um, April 13th. Well, then... Way to jump the gun, then. Oh, well. Finally, this was announced, and I'm not kidding, four minutes after I uploaded the last episode of Game Shows, I suppose. And I was so annoyed. But here we go. (sighs) Quibi announces cleaning competition, squeaky clean from authentic entertainment in Shine Television. I don't do April Fool's Pits. This is a real fucking show. This is a real show. Taking place on the shiniest floor studio competition. Oh, shit. I get it. Shiny floor game. I get it. Game shows the girl. Shiny floor game. Contestants will clean against each other. Clean. Against each other. With the winner of each episode determined by a signature white glove and black light test. Via press release from Quibi. Quibi announces cleaning competition. Squeaky clean from Authentic Entertainment and Shine TV. Los Angeles, March 10th, 2020. Uh, Quibi has announced Squeaky Clean working title. An eight episode cleaning by this is it's Quibi, so it's eight to ten minutes. An eight episode cleaning and organization competition series produced by Authentic Off Entertainment and Shine Television, both part of the Endemol Shine Group. In Squeaky Clean, Quibi is challenging three dirt obsessed contestants over two competitive rounds: The Scrub and The Shining taking place on the shiniest floor studio in competition history. Contestants will clean against each other with the winner of each episode determined by a signature white glove and black light test. Sometimes cleaning is serious business. Here's to a clean fight. Fuck off. Fuck you. Here's to a clean fight. Fuck you. Everyone swears by their own technique when it comes to cleaning, says Authentic Entertainment's Helga Ike. For the first time ever, we'll challenge those self-proclaimed heroes of hygiene to put their skills to the test. What is more satisfying than a good before and after? I could think of a few things, uh, Helga, but 
Tanya Shaw, Managing Director of Shine TV. Cleaning is something we all do, some with more rigor than others. But what does it take to be the best? Working with Authentic for Quibi means we can answer this question on a global scale and get some great tips along the way. Hey, folks, ammonia kills you. Don't breathe in. What, what, what tips do you want? Rub in a little circle? What, like, what, what, it's quibby. It's eight to ten minutes, and it's a cleaning show. It's a cleaning competition show. Like, oh, we're going to dump, like, some, some fruit punch and have it stain. Now clean the, the fruit punch stain in eight minutes. <sighs> Executive producers Helga Ike and Sarah Reddy of Authentic Entertainment, Tanya Shaw Shine TV. Quibi launches April 6, 2020, but you don't have to wait to get updates on Squeaky Clean and more exclusive access insider updates. Sign up for Quibi Insider. You know, we're all going into quarantine. What better way to celebrate being in isolation than a show about hygiene? Namely, cleaning up floors and make cleaning up messes, I guess. That's the show. The Scrub and the Shining. <sighs> I think Clean Fight would have been a much better name than, than Squeaky Clean, but oh well. Uh, just want to just I just want to I wouldn't I'm would not going to say drink bleach because I think you know suicide jokes kind of passe, but I, to me this makes me just want to just uh, clean my eyes a bit with some Lysol spray. Anyway, uh, I I think it's time that we close the book on the news segment and get ready. For today's episode. This week's episode is Jackpot, uh, one of my favorite game shows because it's one. Of, it involves one of my favorite game shows, Jeff Edwards. One of my favorite game shows is the new Treasure Hunt that he hosted, and he had this great uh, personality to him, especially when we talked about Starcade. Uh, fun fact: uh, when he hosted Jackpot and New Treasure Hunt, one was in New York, the other was in California, and he had to commute back and forth. Uh, Jackpot was filmed in New York. Uh, New Treasure Hunt was in California, but when Jackpot got canceled, Jeff stayed in California. Uh, there's been board games for this show in 1974, the TV Jackpot game with two different covers, uh, but yet the same format. Uh, it has been one of the most fascinating game shows I have ever talked about. It's a game show format, by the way, that uh, appeared in, in Welsh as Jackpot uh, with Kevin Davies. And uh, it, in the one with Rodri Ogden Williams uh, in 2012. Uh, so this is a show that does have an international appeal as well. And is one that came from Bob Stewart, uh, which is one of those game show producers I know we all know about, but not a lot of people outside of the world know. But it's the $100,000 pyramid guy, the $10,000 pyramid guy. And when the jackpot originally ended he tried to revamp it as the riddlers uh with david letterman as a pilot and it didn't really work out so i figure that's always a fun fact to always throw into the wrench 
but it did get revived. Uh, it became a Canadian uh, staple for a while. And it's one of those shows where it simply put is just explaining the joke. It really is just ruining a joke book joke. And to me, that was the appeal I had for Jackpot. If you hate puns, you will hate this show. This is the one and only Jackpot. Now let's turn the tables. With me on the line is a podcast giant and one of the, the, the power gamers of the Power Warriors Twitch channel. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Greggy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello, people. Yes, I'm uh, Greggy the Podcasting Superman. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, when we game on Power Warriors, it's going to be like Dungeons and Dragons. So um, it's kind of a video game. We're going to be on video. We're going to be gaming. It's, um, it's a D and so it's a it's a live role play uh, Twitch stream. Exactly, you got it. Uh, it's so, another one of those. Yeah, but this, but you know what I like is the, the the some of the people that you have there are people I'm familiar with from some of your other podcasting uh, groups. So it's always <laughs> a lot of fun. Yes, exactly. Uh, and uh, you know this one I'm doing, and like you said, I'm a podcasting giant. So you you had a huge say in this podcast, correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we may not know this, well, but the early episodes was just me bantering to myself here. <laughs> And in a, yeah, I gave you uh, in, I gave you a little bit of tough love, um, but I it, it made game shows. I suppose the beautiful experience it is now to listen to, where it's now me bantering. But now here's an awkward guest going. I don't know what the fuck to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, thank you so much, Greggy, for for doing. Because now a lot of people have actually now like gone to other people's podcast or have decided to do their own podcast or rip me off. <laughs> Pieces really oh yeah like there are people who have like a now a bitter grudge on me in the world of game shows oh, no. it's so good oh jordan i didn't know about this i i assume you don't want to talk about this beef right now but it's uh very interesting what, what beef? i don't have a beef with anybody just a, just <laughs> a few not. game show news uh websites uh the the buzzer boys as they were <laughs> Oh my god, the buzzer boys! I'm so sick of the buzzer boys. Yeah, but um, nah, it's all fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. I hate those guys. But recently, I was over on the Prodigal Son podcast. Had a lot of fun with. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a great episode. Uh, it's a crazy show. Um, it, it's a similar format to this show, I guess, uh, except for there's no. I don't explain the rules to Prodigal Son. Well, the rules of Prodigal Son is he is the son of a, of a serial of killer. a serial killer. Yep. And there's a season two, and <laughs> <laughs> don't even I don't even want to think about season two. We still have like eighteen episodes or something to watch of this season. <laughs> it's uh, it's a nightmare, but um, yeah. just be glad we you only had to sit through one twenty-two minute game show. You see how easy it is. Yeah, yeah. This is, this show is much better. I mean, 
Uh, I only had to watch 20 minutes of a show. I, I didn't pay that close attention to it. Jordan, I'm sorry. Please don't get mad at me. But um, Oh, that's what most game shows are. They're supposed to be casual shows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's the chillest podcast about game shows. Uh, and this is a, a, what I, I gave this to you because of two reasons. One, the entirety of the premise is just, can you spoil the joke? Can you like ruin this like seven-year-old's joke for us? Yeah, it's, I don't know if it's jokes so much as puns. I guess uh, puns are the lowest form of humor. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, they call them riddles. It's they aren't really riddles. riddles. It's just, <laughs> you know, sometimes two words mean the same thing. That's the uh, premise of the show. What if the Riddler had a game show? <laughs> Not like yes. the new like Enigma Batman. We're talking like Batman 66. Exactly. Riddle me this, Batman. If I'm a colonel <laughs> and I make a pop, <laughs> what am I? Your corn? That's right. It's also one of my favorite game shows. I wanted to share that with with someone who's completely unknown to the world of game shows. Oh yeah, Uh, yeah. It was fun to it was fun to watch. So this is a game show called Jackpot, and there's an exclamation point to give like Jeb. You have to have emphasis here. It's exciting. Jackpot. Mm Uh, hosted by one of my favorite game show hosts, Jeff Edwards, who has had a lot of history in game shows. People might know him from Starcade, for instance. Hmm. Uh, what was Starcade? Starcade was a, the, one of the very first video game game shows of its time, 1980s, like early okay. 80s. And it was just like, here, play these arcade games. And if you have the high score in like 20 seconds over the other guy, uh, you get to play a bonus round where you can win your own, your own arcade cabinet. It was so cool. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like the one where uh, you're like looking at yourself superimposed on a screen and you're like trying to jump over things. And That was Nickelodeon Arcade. <laughs> <laughs> and that was hosted by Phil Moore, <laughs> who I apparently listens does... to this pod. So hi, Phil. Oh, wow. Hey, Phil. Nice to have you listen. Where uh, does? Oh, I guess if, if Phil's a listener, I'm not going to ask where he ranks in the uh, game shows. I would say he's one of the better uh, children's game show hosts because he was always engaging to the kids. And plus, well, he used to go. be uh, oh. uh, one of those warm-up acts. He used to be a warm-up actor. Oh, damn. I also heard he used to be a Green Beret. <laughs> Is this true, Phil? Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> kids, if you're not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with uh, with Jackpot, it, it's this premise that can best be described as uh, puns, fill in the puns, mixed mm-hmm. with deal or no deal. Mixed oh, yeah, true. With like a progressive Jackpot game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird deal or no deal where like if, if you guess the wrong briefcase the model would come up and take your place in the yeah, game it's, it's, i want that to be the show it's like what? <laughs> this model's only making like 800 bucks for being here so it's like why can't she be the contestant yeah there you go uh, but if, so- if you they got 800 bucks uh just for appearing on the show that'd be about equal to the jackpot on this game on this show oh this was an american episode we watched the american we didn't i didn't even dare show you canadian jackpot oh wow 
because uh, the show had more longevity in Canada because they later filmed it there uh, with wonderful jackpots worth like $3,000. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> the one I showed I guess, you had, I, I mean, think, like a, had a wonderful like $20,000 win, <laughs> like a nice jackpot, yeah. a nice cash prize for mid-80s. Uh, <laughs> yep. So here's how it works. There is 16 contestants per a week. It's a week of shows. Not just one. It's a whole week. I only showed you one. Now imagine that Monday through Friday. <laughs> and uh, one person's the king of the hill or queen of the hill or whatever you want to say with the hill, the, 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 the expert. And their goal is to pick out the jackpot. If they pick out the jackpot and get it right, they win the money in the progressive jackpot. And it's also split in half to give into the person who read the riddle. So all the people who are in the basically like the jury pool of 15 are all based on luck have riddles or the word jackpot on them. And uh most of the time you'll just hear like for $300 here is my riddle. I Yeah. I come in a shell but I'm no animal. You could say I'm pretty cheesy. What am I? Okay, in a shell, pretty cheesy. Ah, fuck, I'm out. <laughs> Macaroni. Oh, dude, 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 dude. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting concept. It's, it's strange when the jury wishes the person luck uh, because uh, if they get it wrong. They get to be a contestant and possibly win a bunch of money. Um, Everyone, but it, 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 like that's the most feel good part of the show. It's it like if they don't have the the jackpot phrase, they're still like, oh well, come, good job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if they're wrong, they switch positions. So then the person who got it wrong uh, has to take their seat, and then the person who read the riddle is now the new expert, and they get to continue the hunt for the jackpot riddle. Uh, the one I, person I who says <laughs> jackpot. Just screams jackpot. <laughs> uh, and it's and always like this over-the-top, uh, very corny, definitely rehearsed way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, pretty pretty, pretty cheesy. Uh, speaking of rehearsed, I wonder if uh, the, the comments that the host has uh, when the people get it wrong, he, he's always got little quips. I wonder if they wrote those in advance just in he case. He is no, people got it is that good at improv. Holy moly. He is actually, that's one of the rare gifts of Jeff Edwards. Because there's sometimes when it's really off the cuff and it's like, I don't even know what the hell is going on here. Are we doing Super Jackpot? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then besides a jackpot, there's also a secondary game, a game within a game, if you will. Almost like a lottery. If at any point the last three digits of the jackpot, because it goes up with every riddle, because my riddles were $150, my riddles were $275, my riddles were 300 is if it matches a three-digit number, like a, like a 425 or a 650, uh, you get to play for multiply that, in a super jackpot, which could be worth up to $50,000. Okay, I missed this portion of the show. I didn't I didn't get this. Yeah, that was the weird complicated part. So Okay. 
So there's like a, there's a deal or no deal aspect where if somebody says jackpot, you can either answer that jackpot riddle and just take the money that's like in the bank, like the five hundred bucks or whatever, and you can split that. So it's two fifty each. Amazing amount of cash. Uh, or you can just tell that guy sit the fuck down and just keep doing this riddle game to try and build it up so it gets to this certain target amount. Uh, and one catch is that Jeff Edwards knows the value of all the riddles in, in the game. So at some point, he can actually say, there is one riddle there that will actually get you at target jackpot. Oh, that's fun. So it's like, oh, now there's drama in this game that's really just like random-ass jokes. <laughs> uh and then if they get, of course, if it hits the target, like you hit the 500 on it's exactly 500. Okay, we're playing for 20 times the amount. This is for $10,000. Uh, you get it right. You get 5000 And the person that you bid and you just like, we celebrate. Because you also Hooray. get to split it with the guy whose riddle you use to get the super jackpot. <laughs> and if you fail, everyone gets pissed at you. The world sucks <laughs> and all hell breaks loose. Uh, and then they change the rules up every week uh, in more annoying ways. Because that's how game shows work. Is This is like one of the rare times I'll say. And this is why game shows kind of fail back in the day. Oh, okay. Because so they just they made it more and more complicated all the time? Oh, gee, oh, the top five earners come back next week. Oh, but there, but we get rid of that. Now there's second chance envelope. If you get it right, you get to come back another week. Oh, okay. Well, there's a car in this one of these 15 now. And if you get it right, you get a car or a trip or whoever gets the most money at the end of five days gets a car. <laughs> or, you know, actually, let's just ditch the car aspect. Now let's just give cash. Actually, let's just do a double your money square. Can we do double your money square? Actually, let's do the let's do this bit where if you pick the correct one, it goes straight to the super jackpot. But we, but just rounds it up to the super jackpot amount. Can we just do that? Like it's a super jackpot envelope. It's kind of rare, but it's kind of cool. And just becomes like, uh, I don't get what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, that seems like uh, uh, too much. It's it's but, overwhelming. <laughs> it's so... I did see in this one, the show does the classic 80s thing where uh, one of the things you can win is like a, like an item that they were given a promotional item that they they say is worth like uh in this one it's a 27 inch tv they say is worth 870 dollars like that's insane 870 dollar television uh it also was like very what i thought was fun was just because this was the 80s american version this aired on usa network uh is just how f I, I hate to say dorky but this was like 80s as game show game show because this was like blue bright background jeff edwards wore the the dorky suit yeah everybody's got huge grins on their face as they hop from you know the the jury up to be a contestant and everything and it just and if they're wrong it's the oh shucks <laughs> yeah exactly and then jeff goes oh well that's too bad it's uh it's actually uh halloween anyway you said this was on you said this was on every day was it the same jury all week or all week the same 16 players okay 
Well, that's okay. That's a, a good way to go, I think. that Everybody gets a turn. Everyone gets a chance. Pretty much the, the reason they did that is so everyone has a chance to win some money. Yeah. So they were playing it up. Uh, and then it kind of just kind of fizzled a bit because, I mean, like, I mean, it, it became like there's con- there's like three tiers. There was a 70s edition, an 80s edition, and then like the 89, 90s syndicated one. And other than that, eh. And this was like the original jackpot, which I would know. I know you wouldn't know this. Uh, they decided this is going to be exciting because what we're going to do is uh, is a '70s graphic package, and this is going to be our Jeopardy. This is our NBC Jeopardy like pairing show. Right. And the original announcer for Jackpot in the '70s was Don Pardo. <laughs> oh, funny. So you cuz NBC, he was the voice of it. So just imagine like yeah. any of these 15 people have a secret jackpot riddle that will be worth thousands of dollars. You'll never know when someone might run up and say the line. And it's like jackpot i really want to know how many bloopers there were where someone got frazzled and couldn't say the word jackpot during the introduction sequence that's my that's Mm -hmm. my big game show bit right now that's my big funny game show joke i saved for this episode Uh, i'm gonna so niche only four people will laugh at it (laughs) Uh, you'll never know when someone will jump up and say the words Go, go uh, um what what was the line again? Jackpot. Just say jackpot. Jackpot. Yeah, here's your host, Jeff Edward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then later in the eighties, uh, Mike Darrow was the host. Uh he did a bunch of other ass game shows. He 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 did uh he did some uh he did jackpot in USA. He did uh, one hundred twenty thousand dollar question, sixty four thousand dollar question, and uh, he just did a lot of music stuff. But I still say this is the prime Jeff Edwards game show, and I didn't say anything about how many episodes this. This had over a thousand episodes. Holy shit! Wow. Four yeah, but it was on every 70s, day, so that makes sense. Five twenty five in the eighties, one thirty in that syndicated run. Grand total over a thousand. Jeez, that's crazy. For for five, well, th- you think five episodes a week for like maybe like three years <laughs> for fifteen? Yeah. Yep. It, it would work. Um, it's an interesting show. Okay, maybe I just didn't pay close enough attention. This is always a possibility with any questions I ask about this, but it seems like one of those shows where it it doesn't have like uh you know before we get to this commercial break, we're doing this. And then when we, after this commercial break, we're doing this. It doesn't have like those delineations like wheel of fortune or something like yes. that. Has. Uh, so it's I, just rounds and rounds and rounds all through the week. Right. That's it. That's basically it. The, the game is the game. There's no like in round one questions are worth five points. Yeah. Uh, I call them at, I usually call them uh, format points or act breaks. Mm-hmm. But here the game is just the game. There's no bonus round either. There's no like, <laughs> Yeah. Are are there a lot of game shows like that that are just, you know, round after round after round like that and it just stops when time runs out? I mean, it, it's 
kind of weird. I think off the top of my head here. I mean, like most of the time, like early game shows, it was just kind of like round after round, but it was just the one mm-hmm. game, kind of like what's my line or uh, or I've got a secret. And then you had things uh-huh. like Beat the Clock, where they had many contestants go through three games. Um, yeah. And it was kind of like a part of like the 1950s era of game show. It kind of okay. became more formatted near like the 70s, 80s, uh, mm-hmm. because I think they wanted to add some sort of excitement to the game. They wanted to have some sort of like, well, what's the stakes? Did someone get eliminated? Uh, is there a bonus round? We need a bonus round. Can we do a bonus round? And yeah, I think uh, I think people like formats in shows. They want to, you know. Something they can latch on to. And it's it, and this is a game show where it's just, no, the game is you just answer riddles. Just, I can't just, believe there's a thousand of these. That This must have been <laughs> hell to write for. You have to come up with these dumb riddles every week. It is. Um, it is. A, it was, well, later, the last like season, they decided, actually, we'll just scrap the whole pun thing. And can we just do trivia questions instead? <laughs> okay yes that that <laughs> and that led that to the show's immediate downfall because wait a minute <laughs> these aren't riddles anymore <laughs> yeah that's much less fun too uh also i didn't even like go into the world of the detail of who created this show like oh, there okay. had to be some asshole who created the show right well, I think it was a, a very nice person that created the show. It Jordan. is a guy named Bob Stewart, who no one in the world of, outside of game shows knows who Bob Stewart is. This Brooklyn, eh. New York guy, and uh, I thought the show had a uh, the feel of a Bob Stewart joint. You know, the Bob Stewart. Now, I'm going to just throw in the names. He created One Hundred Thousand Dollar Pyramid. Holy. So, so the word play, word games is mostly his area of expertise. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, he also was famous for being one of the co-people behind The Price is Right when he was working at Mark Goodson. Jeez. So he has a longevity on this. Uh, Three on the Match, yeah. which we've talked about. Uh, we have a Chain Reaction, which later would have Jeff Edwards. And uh, <laughs> one of my least favorite game shows, which was called uh, Go, which was also his. Oh, no. And it was just this weird, like, pyramid game. He's just the clue guy. His whole thing is just wordplay games and puns and joke. Um, That's funny. But, yeah, so something tells me his original idea for Riddle game show was just like, can we just, like, have, like, riddles? <laughs> and it's clear, like, a lot of the contestants were, like, actors. But these oh, are people yeah. who couldn't yeah, act so. to save their lives. <laughs> So it's because it's like you you can't just you have to say either jackpot by screaming out loud or if you open the envelope, you have to say what's on the card and just written exactly like a like a like the like a town hall debate, (laughs) like a CNN (laughs) town hall. And Lisa, I hope you have a lot of luck when I read this three hundred and four dollar riddle to you right now. All right, this is for three hundred four dollars. <laughs> uh, yeah, watching this one with the rounds that that just keep going, it made me imagine like a a circle of hell where 
the game never stops and you just have to keep going and this going. This is purgatory. <laughs> this is <Kirsha laughs> purgatory. You're there for the week, but it could go on for years. Yeah. Uh, when am I getting off the show to use my money? You can't. <laughs> yeah, there's a thousand episodes, but it's the same 15 contestants <laughs> the whole time. For $520, here is my riddle. <laughs> <laughs> for for $94, here's my riddle. Someone please kill me. <laughs> I'm used to horsing around, but I always love to to have ranch dressing. What am I? <laughs> horsing around in ranch. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I always like when it's so very like obviously like they couldn't figure out like deductive reasoning on the, these riddles that like Chef it just basically had to do like three points. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when people like like they they say something like they take a guess at it, but if it's not like a pun it's not gonna be right there's no reason to to guess really i think and it's just <laughs> it's just it's just it's like why even bother why even take a chance at uh <laughs> um so there was um i mean they did try a, a bonus round uh once uh in a pilot episode uh, it was just like, it gives me a roast you can, you win some money, but eh, no one mm. cares. It's all about the bonus round. It's all about picking the right number. And it's kind of what, what I need to figure out here is like, cause this is one of the weird things. Obviously you've never heard of this damn show until like a week ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. What if I told you there's like a whole community out there wanting a revival of the show? <laughs> Well, I'd believe it. I, I think uh, you game show freaks are crazy. I, I you know what? You can go harsher. Go, go a little harsher. Go, on, Greg. go. Get a little harsher. It's fine. Um, game, you game yeah, show freaks. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jordan. I apologize. Yeah, I, I, uh, hey, no, but I do believe it. I'm, I, I'm just saying. I'm with you on this. The game show fandom is weird. <laughs> uh, there are people who obsess over 1970s game shows, and it's like, I, I could see it, but you try pitching that show to, like, an NBC executive in 2020. Yeah, this show would not be a good show to have on TV right now. It would not work, I don't think. Unless you're going for, like, a British bake-off, like, everyone's going to be friends. It's yeah. like that could maybe work. Like the, 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 that's the main pr- premise point here. I usually do is like, should the show be revived? If so, how? And uh, I'm sorry, Greg. I, I I wrote it down. You wrote what then? I wrote down how to revive the show. Oh, how how do you do it? Well, we're not doing Monday through Friday anymore. I think that's bullshit. I think that would just make it cheap, and you'll just be seeing garbage things like, Hi, this is my $40 riddle. Let's... No, no. Because what mm-hmm. I've noticed is the hottest things going on right now, Great British Bake Off. Got your, your little bake on. You've got reality television. Mm. What makes these shows so common it's one season they're on, 
and limited amount of episodes. So how about you just do 10 episodes with the same 16 people? And you stretch Do they out live in a house hour. together? You add dramatic lighting and you add bigger bucks. Okay. So and now, they're still guessing puns? Oh yeah, we're doing puns cuz now we're cuz it's been 30 years, 40 years. So now you can uh do bits like uh <clears throat> hi for $2000, here is my riddle. Um I might be a scoop of butter, but when you put when you get a victory royale, you can't help but do this. What am I? You're dabbing. <laughs> okay, yes, that's a pun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think this show is ever going to be for me. It will but never I think that work. Is... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying this is like on my must bring back <laughs> I, 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 could... I have reality here. I live in a sense of reality here. Newlywed game works because you could just mm-hmm. like say sex shit. Right, exactly, and everybody puns. can relate to that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but if you had it be for an hour long, ten episodes mm-hmm. with the same sixteen people, you get to know these people throughout the entirety of the season. So now they're not just like random schmo going for four thousand dollars. Here is my riddle. You now get like, oh, everyone knows Josh. Hi, Josh. <laughs> Josh lives in Boston, isn't that right, Josh? And then, he, and then, of course, they had to cut out a few things. Um, <laughs> yeah, that could be a good show. And then you, and then you get to like know the contestants more. So now it's more heartfelt. And then, of course, because it's ten episodes and it's the course of an hour long, you get like now you can get some dramatic moments like. You know, we're on our last episode, and you know Becky here never got a chance to win any money. Uh, <laughs> boy, does that <laughs> suck! <laughs> and that's it. That's all you needed to do. You just need to add some money to it. Just add money and limit the amount of episodes. Yeah. And then dramatic lighting for every jackpot. And I yeah, think, and, and I think it, you're onto something here too. You brought up something. Hmm. Everyone's way too nice. <laughs> what if if yeah. you get the jackpot right, you get the money. If they get it wrong, the guy who read the wordle gets the money. Now you cut through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be good. That because you gotta get something there. I don't know about prizes, maybe, but maybe a prize. But I. I think that's the only way you can do a something if you're going to a jackpot modern day is limit the episodes to like 10 same people hour long. And maybe I think you're right. Get rid of like puns. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I think, uh, I think that's the, the thing that's unique about the show. Would you want to do like puns with like, uh, with some sort of like trivia then or, Or you just do a whole celebrity season of jackpots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's that's what they would do, really. They would just do a celebrity jackpot. Uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Colin Jost. <laughs> well, uh, I'm here with uh, the, the, the Oliver Queen, the guy who plays Oliver Queen in Arrow. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm here with, to play uh, the teacher from Glee. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Coolio. Because every celebrity <laughs> edition has to have Coolio for one reason or another. Yeah. Hosted by Jane Lynch. Hosted by, yeah, and we got our host, Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch hosts. <laughs> Um, or they could go the other way. I was saying, um, and and just stock the show with uh, convicts, <laughs> and uh, you know the 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 rounds never end. It just keeps going and going, and and they're just stuck there. This is uh, so. What do they win? <laughs> they win uh, minutes off of their sentence. For three minutes <laughs> off your sentence, <laughs> here is my riddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be good and and you could just i mean these guys haven't been watching tv you could just reuse all the riddles from the <laughs> thousand episodes oh <laughs> <laughs> you're right cruel and unusual punishment this no we can't do cruel this and unusual punishment <laughs> and this is why we gotta get rid of of cash debt you got to get yeah. rid of that cash loan uh, bailouts. Go cash bail. Get out of here. We can't have <laughs> these convicts go on game shows. <laughs> um, yeah. So the only last bit of thing here for is the jackpot board game. They even made a damn board game. That could be kind of fun, I think. Uh, you would go through the cards pretty fast, though. I don't know how it would work. Like, I mean, like maybe fifteen cards, and then you just switch them out per player. You rotate the board. Maybe that's how it would work. Um, and there is uh, and as we got through, let's see what happens each round. There is just the one round. What's the format? We just explained it. What did they win? Money. <laughs> No adaptions, yep. no or a TV. games. Jeff Edwards was a good host. I think Jeff Edwards was badass in this. Yeah, yeah, he was he was good. Especially finding out that you know, you think he was coming up with that off the cuff. He usually does things off the cuff. The only things that he has on his board is just like who has like what's the cards? Like all the cards are still there. So he can just work off that and how much is the value? Other than that, it's just like, okay, best of luck to you. And this very cheap ass set. Yeah, there's nothing to this set. It really is just, uh, what's the best way to explain besides just blue background and carpet? Yeah, they've got 15 people on these bleacher seats. They've got a uh, light board that has the number on it. And but they've got a nice, uh, like, sound effect. <laughs> you can add that in post. It doesn't have to do it. No, Jeff Edwards has to do it every episode, <laughs> and your jackpot is. <laughs> oh, he does the no- noise with his mouth. Uh, and I think that's what makes it interesting here. I think you've you kind of brought on here. Uh, it's not really worthy of a re- revival because, well, I mean, you could if you do like certain parameters, like get to know contestants or something. But mm-hmm. there is no thing for a network executive or a cable channel to really want it back. Not even like Game Show Network would want something like this. 
Um, they would do reruns. They would definitely air reruns of this damn show. Yeah. No one's going to clamor for, for the new ones. Um, but it's the... I usually bring up like conflict in game shows. Because, you know, like when we look at conflict on TV shows, you know, it's like man versus self, man versus nature, man versus tech, or, or all these little... And for a game show, it's, is it man versus man? Is it uh, man versus a team? Is it a team versus a team? Is it any combination of the house with the team? Uh, and this is one where it's like, theoretically, it really is just man versus man versus man versus et cetera, down to 16. <laughs> but they're not really against each other in any way, because there's a split pot of all of these wins. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like uh, if if the show was just sixteen people gathered around like, asking each other riddles, and then they all take a paycheck home at the end of the episode. That should be it. Everyone wears a masquerade mask. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that would make it fucking cool. Make it like a ga- like you know what we did it. We, I think we got something here. What if we just get rid of that damn set? <laughs> get rid of the bleachers, <laughs> and you just make it like a masquerade party. <laughs> Okay, what about this? They're all in separate sensory deprivation tanks. Yes. <laughs> They're just floating in salt water as they ask each other riddles. <laughs> I don't know if it's salt water. Maybe like make it like a ballroom or like you're in a party and it's like the the guy who's like the person in charge gets to pick one of these like rooms, like an actual like they built out a fucking like mansion kind of scenario here. <laughs> They open the door and it's and it's like it's you're gonna be the big cash jackpot or it's just some guy in a mask going ah <laughs> you thought it was the cash but it's me if you want to get out alive you have to solve my riddle oh yeah if you lose if he he uh, jigsaws you he jigsaws that could be good and then he becomes the new <laughs> <laughs> uh and. The final thing is the final. Uh, we have two questions left. One is the sh- uh, what, Greggy. What are your thoughts on the show? Um, I'm not into puns. Uh, everybody's too nice to each other. Um, the judges are assholes. The girl, the the one lady said green when it was supposed to be grass. I mean, it did make sense because it was kind of a trick. But um, I hate it when when judges are assholes. Um, too many episodes, too many riddles. Uh, but the host was good, um, and I, I would love to get a twenty-seven inch, eight hundred and seventy dollar TV someday. So what you're telling me is you don't give a real fuck about the show. You just rather have that big ass television. <laughs> yeah, a damn twenty-seven inch CRT TV, heavy as hell. Just put that right in my living room, and I'm watching. Um, a good game show on it. You're you're gonna be watching Jeopardy. <laughs> you're gonna be hell watching, yeah. Uh, the new Survivor season. Did you see? It's new, all winners. They're all winners. It, you you want oh the greatest God. of all time? Boston Rob's back again. Hot Natalie is back. That's what I'm watching for. <laughs> is, is is Rupert on again? Or they or is, 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 is they say no? Rupert so. is not technically a winner. He got that a coward's million. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Rupert's involved. Only if Rupert's involved on CBS America's Most Watched Network. 
well, I'm still waiting for another season of Amazing Race. <laughs> does Survivor does Survivor count as a game show to you, Jordan? It not only does, we've already covered it. Uh, With my friend okay. Tim Connolly, who's like a big Survivor buff. Uh, I put that as a pun intended because all those Survivor heads know what the name of those little <laughs> bandanas are. Uh, you got me. I always, I always, every season of Survivor, I, I think this is the season I'm watching. I want to watch all of this. And then like three episodes in, I, I drop off. Because it's nearly all the, to me, that's the problem with Survivor. There's a little bit too many, like it's either you're going to drop off after the first two episodes if you're not invested in the characters or it's some stupid twist that have to add for the sake of, well, it's different now. I don't mind the survivor twists. And if it, the twist is interesting enough, it can keep me on, but yeah, yeah it's millennials versus the, gen X. Ooh, I hate, I hate the, uh, the dumb, like, uh, things they put against each other. Those always suck. They're always so forced. It, but it's it's uh healers versus uh <laughs> helpers versus <laughs> oh man blue collar white collar no collar that was the worst one i've seen so far <laughs> remember when it used to be something cool like it's survivor china or survivor <laughs> philippines it was like there was a location it kind of made sense yeah. it would be kind of cool to do like survivor detroit like you have to uh you know, live in the city, but you don't, you have to like live outside in like a park or an abandoned building or something. <laughs> they kind of tried that a few times without the voting off castaway thing. Um, oh, okay. There was a one show. Uh, I don't know if this is considered a game show or not because they kind of said it was quote unquote social experiment kind of show. And it was on Discovery Channel. It was called The Colony. Oh, wow. And it was, uh, so the premise was. What if a viral outbreak wiped out a good chunk of the human population? Oh, geez. Uh, that's the premise. So here is a team of six people, like an engineer, a doctor, and every guy, a bartender. And can they survive in this warehouse in the middle of this city? <laughs> Forge food, get canisters, almost like a zombie pandemic kind of thing. For, sounds for like days. A, and that was it that's the whole premise kind of sounds like a ripoff of uh kid nation to me. <laughs> that's technically a game show <laughs> <laughs> oh no are we, are we gonna have to talk about kid nation on this fucking thing <laughs> Fuck. yeah you can bring me back for that one <laughs> so greggy when what was your favorite part of the season when the when uh, the little nine-year-old had to decide between arcade system and and clean water <laughs> what was your favorite <laughs> <laughs> Such a dumb show. Remember when the kid uh, drank the bleach and had to get kicked off the show? <laughs> now he's a member of QAnon. <laughs> hey, that's a little too mean. For all we know, he could be like a moderator on a subreddit somewhere. <laughs> like, oh, in... That's even worse to me. He could be on the. Ch- he could be a moderator for the Chapo subreddit. We don't know. <laughs> Those guys lower than game show freaks to me. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow okay, you're not going to apologize more... again. I have to... The only person who's been more demeaning to my fan base is probably Mike Mitchell. <laughs> 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 right now. 
Oh yeah, everybody's gonna hate me. Sorry, no, sorry, no, sorry. Uh, so far, you are not the meanest person we've had. <laughs> sorry I, to all those. I, I still think it's Jack. There. I still think Jack Allison's the meanest. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's impossible to beat. I'm not even gonna try. I mean, like he sometimes that Jack Allison guy, he just wrongs me. He just rubs me the wrong way so much. Sometimes, you know what? I, sometimes I, I think about doing Greg. I don't tell anyone this. Sometimes I think what would be great is if I got on Instagram stories and just and just talk bad about him. <laughs> yeah, that could be good. Like it, you know, those you could delete them right away so that uh, you would never find out. I'll um, get a new but, Twitter account called Freddy Thumbs. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh but you know like he was like the but it was only because he was like hi we're look, talking about because it was like early on when we did this i was like it's the mask singer it's the it's a good show it's from korea and then he's just like i don't fucking get this <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that show is kind of nonsense i mean so they just like take off each other and we're supposed to know like someone had a big breakfast that's the big clue <laughs> <laughs> like i think this one would have made more sense to Jack as just a TV show, you know? No, if I give this to if I gave Jackpot to Jack, first of all, I want him to change his middle name to Pot. And then two, right. he would just be like the same the same thing, like, this is just this is it. This is the show. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's like, yes. Now imagine that five days a week. The only upside is you hear that cool theme song that do 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 <laughs> other than that nothing uh so <clears throat> before we sign off greggy i have time for one final question oh boy <clears throat> here is my riddle i can be <laughs> seen or heard but that's just my file i got my name from digital peas in a pile what am i I don't know. I can be I'm seen or heard, but that's just my file. I got my name from digital peas in a pile. So then, like an MP3? A judges? We... Oh, I don't know if we can accept that. Oh no. Yeah, I did the thing. I did the thing you're not supposed to do on the show, where you try just guess. <laughs> so now we have to stop tape. Some guy has to yell for five minutes. <laughs> What do you mean it doesn't count? <laughs> well, he didn't say because because look the last part digital peas in a peas in a pod you get it like a podcast. Oh like, wow! Podcast? Oh my god! Yes, of course. I can't believe I didn't get that. Oh well, you still get to do your plugs, though, Craig. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my god, I fucked it up, but I still get to do plugs. This rules. Um, yes. Yeah, so, like, uh, like Jordan said, you can. Uh, go listen to Jordan's episode of the official Prodigal Son pad- podcast on Buzzcast. Uh, or coming up very soon, uh, Sunday nights from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash Power Warriors. Uh, that's Power Warriors, all one word with a Z at the end, no space. Uh, you will find us playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, a brand new world I've created myself 
uh, brand new characters. And uh, yes, every every Sunday night, 7 to 10. Uh, you can also just go to powerwarriors.com. Again, all one word with a Z at the end. And Jordan, thank you so much. I can't wait for my upcoming guest appearance as the non-playable character, guy who gives riddles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the riddle master. <sighs> for the escape my dungeon, here is my riddle. I'm big <laughs> and loud and sometimes round. If you pop me, I go boom. What am I? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and, and the, the players are like, uh, you know, hanging upside down by a rope over a pit of spikes. And if they get it wrong, they're going to fall to their deaths. But I have to play up exactly like the contestants on Jack Black. I can't, <laughs> like, do any real acting. I have to be like, here is my riddle. I, <laughs> you, you, you can rewind me. You can fast forward me. You can stop me on a dime. But the one thing your parents can't do is figure out how to set my time. What am I? Okay, Jordan, I think I need you to edit this whole bit out because this is definitely happening happening on the stream at some point. <laughs> uh, and scene. All right, Greg, thanks again <laughs> for stopping by. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, Jordan. This was fun. Thanks again to Greggy for stopping by. I, you know, I had fun going on the Prodigal Sun cast. We recorded this like months ago. So uh, check him out at the Greggius on Twitter. That's T H E G R E G G I E S T. Lots of fun over there. And maybe listen to 278 while you're there as well. Uh, one of the biggest minds in podcasting, one of the funniest people I love talking to. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking about Jackpot, trying to figure out how to update this classic game show, one of my personal favorites, and I wish I had some time to update this, but unfortunately, due to a lot of pandemic stuff going on, a lot of busy stuff at work, I couldn't really get around to really coming up with some fun facts, but here, here's a couple. Um... The largest super jackpot won in the format's network or syndicate history was 30750 split between two players. Uh, in an interview with Jeff Edwards, there was a rumor that someone actually managed to win $50,000, but no proof of it has been given. There were special uh, riddles around the time of the season, such as double do dollars, which would double the answer to one of the riddles, which doubled the jackpot at the time. Instant target match, if the uh, riddle was answered correctly, the jackpot would be automatically increased to match the target number, giving this player control to answer the super jackpot riddle. A uh, bonus prize, which was a you know a little small trip or a vacation, a return trip, which was in the USA and syndicate versions, where if you answer the riddle correctly, both players, the the king of the hill or queen of the hill, and whoever was the one giving the riddle, would be returning for an extra week of shows. Um, all weeks were self-contained, meaning the game in progress on Friday would not continue the following Monday. If time ran out in the middle of a Friday show, the jackpot riddle would be played immediately. Uh, which was referred to as an automatic jackpot clue. Uh, NBC's version, the dollar amounts range from $5 to $200 in multiples of five, and the person in control was called the expert. To determine the value of a super jackpot, a number from five to 50 in increments of five was chosen. Uh, to make the super jackpot, it'll be $500 times whatever. 
Oh. Uh, for instance, uh, it was chosen random, and it was multiplied with target number to make a super jackpot. So five hundred dollars times thirty be fifteen thousand. If the target number is nine ninety five and the multiplier read fifty, the super jackpot would be automatically set at fifty thousand dollars. Bob Stewart production simply threw in the extra two fifty. Uh, Edwards would occasionally read a disclaimer due to long-standing game show federal laws, which explain this change in the rules. The Super Jackpot could be played in one two ways. Early episodes of a player won the jackpot whose last three digits match the target number. The players. Jackpot Riddler would split the Super Jackpot in later episodes. The expert had to answer an additional riddle posed by Edwards. And if it was answered correctly, two players would split the Super Jackpot. Choosing the player that had the Super Jackpot wildcard and correctly answering the Super Jackpot riddle as posed by Edwards. There are 300 changes made when Super Jackpot rule changed. Originally, the player who answered the most riddles in the week won a car. This was later dropped, and instead a card was given to any player who correctly answered all 15 riddles in the same game, which I enjoy. After a week-long experiment in February 74, when it was called the Valentine Riddle, most games had a double bonus riddle, which they answered correctly, won both players a trip, usually somewhere in Mexico or the Caribbean. The randomness of the multiplayer change with each number from 5 to 50 had equal chance, except that 15 and 20 were twice as likely as the others. This was filmed in NBC Studios in New York City, and Don Pardo was the announcer. Uh, for the last 13 weeks, uh, format was altered with changes to target number was dropped. The super jackpot was established at random by an expert pressing a button, which could be anywhere from $200 to $10,000 in $100 increments. Riddles were dropped if there were straight general knowledge questions. Why? When the jackpot question was found, the expert would either try to answer it or go for a super jackpot. Uh, and a new super jackpot was established if the jackpot was wiped out. However, jackpot questions was the last one found. In Canadian versions, they're called the King of the Hill or Queen of the Hill. Uh, the title would carry over in the syndicated version. Uh, the jackpot riddle would be anywhere between 4000 and 9999 Highest ever in the syndicated version was $8,200. Jackpots are at $100. Dollar amounts range from $50 to $300. Jackpot riddle is not found. King of the Hill and the person jackpot riddle had to trace pre-places regardless if the jackpot riddle was not found until the last player an extra thousand dollars was added to the jackpot in season two ten thousand dollar riddler contest in which the player who answered the most riddles correctly over a period of 10 weeks won a bonus of ten thousand dollars the winner was a bonus of bob holquist of bellevue ontario uh belleville ontario for the final six weeks of the second season the player answered the most riddles in a single week won a vacation package and a thousand dollars final season there was a special riddle called the $50,000 riddle. These riddles were consistently harder than the ones asked, and all players who correctly answered them split $50,000 at the end of the week. Three contestants entered this riddle correctly during the season, except one of the show's weeks when only one person won the $50,000 all by themselves at the end of the week. Starting season two, any player who ran the board, all 15 riddles, would have won a new car. And then in 8990, uh, Jackpot riddle was answered correctly. Super Jackpot riddle returned... Uh, Bleacher contestant has a real blah 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 blah. Uh, make a guess. They were right to win the jackpot. King of the Hill ran the table thousand dollars out of the jackpot. Super jackpots ten thousand twenty five thousand five dollar increments, fifty to two hundred dollars as well. Well, okay, that's fine. I like jackpot. I think jackpot's one of those fun game shows, and I always love talking about it. Um, I I. It's, it's weird to see things like Hollywood Showdown show up after the fact, but we'll talk about that another time. But now it's time for the 110-part series exploring every pricing game from The Price is Right. This is The Pricing Game Spotlight.
Joker. Not Joker's wild. Not not. Why so serious? Not not the 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 uh, Joaquin Phoenix. This is Joker. Premiere date February fourteenth, nineteen ninety four. Valentine's Day, nineteen ninety four. Nine zero eight one D. Finale date March fifth, two thousand seven. Three nine one one K. It's really been a while since I heard that. <coughs> I'm recovering from the cold. Come on. Oh, well. Joker was a card game where the contestant had to discard the Joker card in a five-card hand to win. Like shell game. Uh, gameplay. Contestant was shown a five face-down playing cards, one of which was a Joker. To win a large prize, all the contestant had to do was discard the Joker. Four two-digit prices were shown, one at a time, with the two digits in the prices shown. Contestant had to determine which order the digits in the price belonged to the item. For instance, $24 or $42, $35 or $53. For each correct guess, the contestant won a small prize and earned the opportunity to remove one hand, one card from the hand. Uh, after all five, after all the prices were played, the discarded hands were revealed to see if the Joker had been discarded. The only way to win nothing in this game was to guess the wrong price for all four small prizes and earn no discard. The basic gameplay of Joker was essentially the same as Shell Game, in which a contestant also prices small prizes for chances to mark shells in a search of one concealing a ball. It's also a very similar bonus game, except that the window marked in bonus game is determined by which price a contestant places correctly and not by the contestant's choice. The main difference, however, between Joker and the aforementioned games is that Joker had five card options instead of four, such as Shell and Bonus Game. Follow me? We're doing five, not four. Five, not four. Five price tags also had the same premise with five options. However, it is played for a car and the options were five possible prices. As opposed to five random options like in five price tags, it's possible to play a small prize game perfectly and still lose the game. In this case, not discarding the Joker, which happened at least once. Trivia. All four items played in this game cannot have a zero in the price. The game and Step Up are played 80 times before it was retired. The most number of times this game was played in a season was 11. The cards are taken from the Hit Me deck. That's right, Hit Me. Remember the 21 game we played? Remember that? Only exception, of course, being the Joker, which is exclusive to this game. And there are no face cards in this game. Retirement. The game was officially retired on April 2008, even though its final playing occurred in the previous season. It was intended to be reintroduced into the rotation on February 29, 2008, one day before my birthday. Uh, however, by that time, Roger Dobkowitz decided to retire it, and it was replaced by bonus game for that episode's taping. Strangely, the last time it was played, the small price display malfunctioned. In a conversation with a fan posted on a Price is Right fan site, Roger Dobkowitz noted the game had fundamental problems. <coughs> <laughs> One was an awkward reveal, and second, a contestant could earn all four small prices and still lose the game. Really? Uh, foreign versions. In the 2006 version of Price is Right, Joker was called Joe Kerr, a reference to Joe Pasquale, the host. Uh, oh, sorry, presenter. Uh, the title of the French-Canadian version of the Joker was actually translated to Four Aces, Le Quadra Oz, instead of calling it Joker like most versions, even though 
those nine English tend to. Vietnam's version of Joker is called Shoot 2. The game sports recklessly using UK for the price is right. As an oddity, most of Vietnam's props closer resemble the US uh, counterparts. Unlike most of the countries, Joker is replaced with Sure True, and the other four cards had the show logo when the cards were revealed. When the game was revived on August 24th, 2019, way it's back, the design of the game's board has changed, making the game's board a replica of the U.S. version. In Holland's Cash and Carlo, the contestant's given a free discard at the start of the game. As a result, however, the contestant could only price three items. Uh, Spain's El Percio Justo, at least during Carlos Lorenzano's run, called the game Komodon, which translates to wild card. The game, however, is played just like the U.S., and its prop was also based on the version uh, BPIR used. As with most props, Joker kind of, I like the idea of like a swatch, the the price thing, like is it 45 or 54? I like that. That's what I like about Joker. But the, the reveal of which one's the Joker card to, to discard, I mean, I used to like it, but it's just, it's too tough. I think if there was like a cash incentive, like for each one you get right, you also get like a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks. Uh, or that there was like a way that it was like... Um, if you had five, you win. Something would would be interesting with that, but the fact that it was you get four out of five chance, it doesn't work that well, and that's why I think Joker flopped. Uh, and I mean, like it could be have been better. It could have been better, but um, it, it, or what you could have done for Joker is uh, you sm- you put the small prizes, and then it's like for each one you reveal, it could be a small prize or it could be a large prize. And you have it be like a television, a hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, a thousand bucks, or and like the trip. And it's like for each one you get of these three, you get a choice. You can't get all five prizes, but you can get a small prize, a big prize, a medium prize, something, something to to make this stand out. Because the way it was with Joker, it just did not work, and I think that's why it flopped. But I do like the idea of like a. And I think that should be a mechanic that's used in later games. Is it 50, like something where it's, is it 28, is it 82? I like that. That's like a fun little twist on, on a pricing game. Did, did I say just bring that back? Next time on Pricing Game Spotlight, we are going to go side by side. Welcome, everyone, to the school segment. I'm Jordan Haas. There's no game shows to review this week, so I kind of did some pre-recorded videos here uh, because, as you know, we love to talk about game shows here, but a lot of people kind of don't know my viewpoint of game shows. Last time we did this, we were talking about conflict, plan versus teams and all that shit, but uh, this time around, we're going to be talking about the basic format of a game show because with because to me game shows are a fascinating piece of television everyone kind of sees them in different ways uh so i like to look at the game part first before we go to show because show music set design all that stuff is important but i feel like if i did that right now it would just be a little kooky shall we say um that i want to talk about how i look at game shows in the terms of the game Without a good game, you really don't have a show. You kind of just have here's a celebrity and they do stuff. And I guess that's the show. The end. 
but I'm going to talk about game shows in a weird way right now. Game shows, as people know, usually follow a format. A format of, like, in round one, players answer questions. If they answer it correctly, they get money. If they get it wrong, they lose money. If then, da-da-da-da, whoever gets the most wins. That's usually how a format works. Um, and different game shows have different formats. We talk about every game show with different formats. Usually, that's how I explain the formats to a game show, because if I tell you how I actually see game shows, you will think I am a nutcase. And I'm about to do that right now. But you have to look at it in the sense of how a game show is created and how you can easily break a game show. Because a big chunk of game shows is strategy. And the best contestants know the strategies. Now, for me... I'm going to break it down quickly into a game show that people are familiar with, easy to understand. Who wants to be a millionaire? The game show is simple. You have a multiple choice question. You can answer a question or you can walk away. You go through all 15, you win a million bucks. And people just know if they're right, they go up the ladder. If they're wrong, they go down to the safe haven. And that's it. So you're so people assume, and rightfully so, because it's a very common idea, that there's only three options in a in a millionaire question. It is answer the question. If it's right, you get the money. If it's wrong, you lose the money. Or walk away. So your three outcomes: right win money, wrong lose money, walk away with what you have. That's usually the drama, because that's basic how you figure it out. But there's an extra twist to the game because if you just say it's three, sure, it's easy to sell because it's more simpler to sell a show the easier. If you did a rule spiel and I just say get right, go up the ladder, go wrong, you lose, and the game ends, that's it. Now, the game show is much more complex than that. Every game show, if they're actually done right, can actually be more complicated than you would ever believe and this is why I should not do host spiels because it would be like 20 minutes long and it would sound like the Peggy Hill spin the choose and choose to spin kind of thing. But uh, for the sake of, of this exercise, look at every game show with an if-then statement. If this, then that. Now, the outcome, the then, has multiple personalities here, not because of the correct answer, that's one aspect of it. That's that's a that's you can walk away or not. But we will go right now to the very first question of who wants to be a millionaire. The first question of a game show who wants to be a millionaire, which means you can't walk away. You will lose you we walk away you get nothing. So you might as well answer it. There isn't just right or wrong, one or two. There's multiple because of the lifelines. So there are 16 different types of things you could be doing in this. Now, right, you get the, you answer the question right. You didn't use a single lifeline. You kept all three. You got it right, but you used 50-50, keeping the Ask the Audience phone a friend. Third option, you got it right. You used Ask the Audience. You kept 50-50, phone a friend. Four, you got it right, but you used phone a friend. 
but you kept your 50-50 nasty audience. Five, you got it right, but you used two lifelines. You used 50-50 nasty audience. You kept your phone a friend. Six, you got it right. You used nasty audience and phone a friend. You kept your 50-50. Seven, right. You used your phone and your 50-50, but you kept nasty audience. Eight, you got it right, but you blew all three lifelines on the question. Number nine, you got the question wrong, but you kept all three. Ten, you got it wrong, but you used your 50-50 and then led you astray. Eleven, you got it wrong, you used ask the audience, and you kept your two. Twelve, you got it wrong, you used phone a friend, you kept 50 ask the audience. Thirteen, wrong, you used 50-50 and ask the audience, you kept phone a friend. Fourteen, wrong, you used ask the audience and phone a friend, you kept 50-50. Fifteen, wrong, you used phone a friend, 50-50, but you kept asking the audience. And sixteen, you're wrong, and you used all your lifelines, which would be a shock on the very first question of Phone Spin Millionaire, but that is actually a possibility. People, if you can write it down, every possibility, and anyone who's a game developer or a game designer who's done flowcharts would know how to do these little branching paths. That's pretty much what I'm doing right now in the form of a game show. So now you go into question two, where now your 17th possibility is simply walk away. But then you have that next dilemma if you walk away. If you got it right, you would have won money. If you got it wrong, you would have lost money, but you're kept where you're at. That's just to play it out. People do that just because they want that one extra if then, because it's a nice a bullet point in terms of conflict. That's why you see most of the time in game shows, let's see what you could have won if you pick this because they want to play the game out exactly as it was intended. So if you got if you decided to go on and you pick C, you would have won. If you went on and pick C, you would have been wrong. It was A. That is how the the this if then statement works. So, pretend we went through all 16 of those now. Now you have a, you have 17 and 18. You would have gone right, you would have gone it wrong. Uh, but you walked away for 100 bucks instead of the $200. With $200, uh, which is the second question in the game, you have all of those, but you also have to put into consideration because of the branched paths, the possibility is based on one of these 16 paths that you've chosen in the very first question. So if you decided to go right, use keep all three, and you decided to do that in second question, you're still on path one. Kept all three, kept all three, kept all three. And it keeps going from there. Uh, it becomes very fascinating when you see if-then statements because a lot of the time, a good game show makes these if-then statements seem very simple but when you look at any possible outcome, it could either break the game or show you that they didn't game test strong enough. When it comes to a lot of game shows, everything comes to play testing. And they don't have time to do these branch paths. What if someone had every one of these elements in play? For instance, uh, Let's say there is a game show. I'm going to pitch a brand new game show right now. It's a simple format. I'm just, I'm going to, it's a real easy, well, it'll probably never get pitched, but follow me on this one. The game show is called First to 30. It's a head-to-head -head game show, a player versus a player. The game works like this. I ask you a trivia question. If you buzz in with the correct answer, if then, you get one point. 
if you get it right. If you get it wrong, however, you're locked out and your opponent has the chance to answer. So already in this head-to-head round, you have a few possibilities. Player one buzzes in, gets it right, plays. Or player two buzzes in, gets it right, plays. Or player one buzzes in, gets it wrong. Player two gets it right. Or player one buzzes in, gets it wrong. Player two gets it wrong. Or player two buzzes in, gets it wrong. Player two gets it right. Player two buzzes in, gets it wrong. Player one buzzes in, gets it wrong. Or like those are your six combinations in this in this version. Or no one buzzes in because that's always a possibility. The seventh one, no one buzzes in. Change the question. If seventh, if number seven option, no one buzzes in. Change to a new question after five seconds, or ten seconds, or fifteen seconds, and continue the game from there. So. That's your free-form chart of a head-to-head round. There's a few possibilities. It's your player one or player two buzzing in, getting it right. That player then has the new flow chart of if-then, because in this game show, you can keep your single point or you can risk it on five questions. For each question you get right, we double the point. So your one becomes two, your two becomes four, your four becomes eight, your eight becomes 16. And if you get all five right, that's 32 points, which puts you over the 30-point threshold needed to win. So you got to make a decision. Do you stop right now and take your one point and bank it, or do you play the second question to double the score? You already have three options. One, walk away. Bank your one point and keep going in the head-to-heads so you can just get 30 questions. Two, go on, get the next one right, and you get two points. Or three, you go on, but you got your question wrong, which loses all the points of this round, and we end the turn and go on to back to the head-to-head round. So if one, you continue to head-to-head because you banked your points back to the head-to-head buzz-in round. If three, you, walk, you, you got it wrong, the game ends, we go back to the head-to-head round. But if you hit option two, you got it right, you repeat the sequence as we did, but with double the, the dilemma. Walk away with two or keep going. Go on, get it right for four. Three, get it wrong, lose it all, sends you to zero. There's a few multiple uh, populations of how to get to that correct answer. So if you know strategy... The fastest way is buzzing in, getting your toss-up question right, and then getting your next five bonus questions correct to get your 32. That's the fastest path. Or you can just get 30 head-to-head questions right. That's another way to win. Or buzz in, get three right, because that's four of them, and just get about seven of them, eight of them right, and you're done that it becomes this debate of how many questions do you want to answer? Is it faster to just do 30 in a row? Is it faster to just simplify that to a certain amount? That becomes the game show. And a lot of good game show formats already have that game theory in mind because if you're playing a game based on time, uh, because this is not based on who gets the most after like five minutes. This is the first to an end goal, 30. You have to now play into the time restraints. 
what's the time it takes for a player to buzz in and get 30 in a row? Or what is the time for a back to fourth? Because if it's A player getting 29, B player getting 29, the final question could be the 30th that sends someone over to get to 30. So what's the time it takes for someone to get to 29, someone to get to 20 in the slowest amount of time? Alternatively, what's the fastest way to get someone to 30? How are you going to fill in that time? That becomes the challenge of any good producer because you got to look at every single possibility being shown in front of you and then go, oh, we didn't put into consideration what if somebody walks away after the fourth bonus question, banks the 16, and then suddenly tanks for a while. Or there's all these different methods to the madness of it. Um, what if someone blows the very first question on million-dollar money drop? Well, we they say goodbye, and the new contestant sh- sh- stops by. But it's up to the producers on red or not. We should really even air the, these couples because they kind of tanked. That becomes uh, a challenge for a producer, even, if they want to show a one-question loss. Um, th- that is the strong possibilities of... Uh, a good game show format. Uh, a lot of times, I'm going to say this, game show formats that I have seen online or ways to add twists to the game. For instance, I'm going to say something like swap scores on Press Your Luck. It doesn't work in in a game show format like this because now you've pretty much made it so instead of all of these squares mattering and just trying to grind your way to the top of the press your luck board, you made one square matter and that's to switch with a, with an opponent, which creates a golden snitch because now you just have to make sure you hit that one square at the right time and that's it. Press your luck is not about hitting the right square at the right time because there's two ways to hit big. There's three ways to hit big bucks on the big bucks board. You hit big bucks. You hit go back two spaces, or you hit the very square that says like ten thousand in a spin. There, there's lots of combinations of how to go about uh, a game show format. And if you put it in a branched path of if then statements, then you can figure out every possibility of a game show. Lots of people figure it out, but whoever's in the first seat in Prices Right has an, has not really an advantage because they can get that one dollar over strategy happen to them. So if someone bids five hundred, five oh one, which could lead to five oh two, leads to five oh three, and now suddenly the person for position has the advantage. Uh, so last week we talked about player versus player versus player versus player versus player. Uh, with a press your luck, with a price is right, we're going price is right. Um, look at the series of if then possibilities. If red seat wins, if yellow seat wins, if blue seat wins, if green seat wins. If red is too high, they're disqualified. If yellow is too high, they're disqualified. If green is too high, they disqualify. But green is low enough, they're win by default. There's your possibilities. And that is why you see things like what happens if all four players bid over the actual retail price. Ring, ding, ding. Oh, we have to reset the scores. Now try again, bid lower than the lowest. Or 
what happens when someone gets exactly right. Ding, ding, ding. That's a perfect bid. Here's a $500 bonus. Things like that, when are taken into consideration, makes for exciting moments in game shows because people think, oh, they're unpredictable. No one could see that coming. And sometimes the game show producers that be don't see that coming. And that makes for exciting moments. Oh my God, this has never happened before. But when someone knows that that's a possibility and they have a rule in play, that's what it works. And a lot of the time, what I'm saying to you doesn't really matter in the way of when you see a game show, but it comes into the form of a, like for instance, say a tiebreaker, like for pyramid, what happens if both teams score a perfect 21 points? Well, we have well, originally the rules were we go to a bonus round, things that start with the letter B and the things that start with the letter C. Uh, but now it's who got to their 21 points the fastest. We calculate by time, and that determines the winner. That is the time machine. So now there's the if, then, if, then, if, then, if, then. So now if it's a tie, then we go by this. And that's another possibility. So what happens, and I'm sure this is a definite thing, they have written in their if-then branch path sheet, what happens if... There is a 0-0 score on $100,000 pyramid. That is a strong possibility, and I don't think anyone's ever put in consideration what happens if that happens. Do we just have to reset the entire game, which could be the option? Or do you play a quick tiebreaker? Or do you just go with, like, well, who uh, got closest to zero? It doesn't work. But there's probably a nook and cranny in place of what happens if there's a 0-0 score. My guess, if I had to take the guess, is that they would replay the entirety of round one because no one wants to see a scoreless round with very easy, easy clues now. Um, and, and that's how they would reset the game, which you can do, by the way. If events is scoreless, then the producers can change the rules at any time. That's what makes game shows interesting is you have to look at game shows with a lot of strategy, with a lot of if-then statements. Uh, when you're a contestant, you have that same thing. If I'm trying to get to this goal, like for instance, on Family Feud, if my goal is to get to 300 points and Steve Harvey says, do you want to pass or play? Normally you say play because you have all the team members. Maybe this is a subject you're good at. But sometimes someone strategizes and goes, I don't know. I can only think of a few options here. But I can think of a few that they might not think of. So I'm going to pass so I can just relax, see what they can think of, and then steal their points because all I have to give is one answer while they have to build up with like six or seven. That becomes a game show format. These series of if-then statements work for the producers and they work for contestants. But ultimately, you need to have branch paths of every possibility because otherwise you get something like, say, uh-oh, where it's an unfair advantage for the last team to get to spin the wheel because they can switch their scores and ultimately win the game. That becomes like a golden snitch. That's your uh, 
that's your like catch up rounds in game shows. A lot of times, American game shows will do a catch up round. Oh, points are now three hundred, but or five hundred, and it's like we go from one point to two points to suddenly five points, and suddenly it just makes the last two rounds seem meaningless because we need to have that big catch up. Uh, it doesn't sell me on it, and it tells me they didn't really put into consideration the if thens. Which tells me they kind of rushed into making the format. Uh, the best game shows I have seen have come up with scoring mechanics to make sure there's never a tie. Or if there is a tie, they have a mechanic in place that is a good tiebreaker that is of equal level for both contestants. Sometimes they don't. Can you figure out who? You'll find out in later game shows. Um, so... That is my end conclusion is next time you look at a game show, look at any kind of possibility, not just an if in for the contestant right or wrong, but with the position the game is in and what's the stakes points wise. For instance, sale of the century. Everyone starts out with $20. If you get it right, you get five. If you're wrong, you lose five, which tells you there is a lot of possibilities when it comes to the scoring mechanics of the game show. So, for instance, um, person in first position gets it right. Uh, first, like there's 18 possibilities with, with the sale of the century on the single question, plus five, minus five. One, I feel familiar saying 18. All right. One, no one answers the question, so there's no gains. One, person first position, A seat, gets it right, so that person A gets five. Or it's the B position, B gets it right, gets five. Or C, C gets it right, C gets five. Or five, the fifth option, A gets it wrong and loses five, and no one else buzzes in. Or A gets it wrong, loses five, but B gets it right and gains five. B now has 10 points over A. Seven, A gets it wrong, loses five, C gets it right, gains five. Option eight, B gets it wrong, loses five, nothing happens. B gets it wrong, A gets right, gains five. 10, B gets it wrong, loses 5, C gets 5. C gets it wrong, loses 5, nothing happens. 12, C gets it wrong, loses 5, A gets it right, gains 5. Or C gets it wrong, loses 5, B gets it right, gains 5. 14, A gets it wrong, B gets it wrong. They both lose 5, C becomes a coward and doesn't buzz in. Same thing could happen with B and C, where A, uh, where, uh, where, uh, it becomes, uh, B and C get it wrong and decide nothing happens. Uh, or it becomes A and C bows in and nothing happens. There's all of these strong possibilities and different score mechanics that there's, if you're, it's just a simple buzzing and you're right and nothing happens, no wrong, it's 25-20-20, for instance. If there is one that's wrong, though, or two that's wrong, it becomes 25-15-15 or 25-20-15. That there's a lot of theory of score mechanics because now if you're down by 10 points over somebody, that means you have to get two questions right to catch up to that person. That is a strong strategy when it comes to the world of game shows. Yes, this is a very boring, and I'm saying bunch of numbers, and it's probably making your head like bleed because you don't want to do math. But I assure you, every game show needs to have a branch path needs to put in consideration every possibility of game theory that puts into their game. Because otherwise, what I have noticed, and this has been done 
so many times. Something that they didn't consideration happens in the game. It never happened in a play test because the play test is basically just does the little scoring system work or should we do more points, less points? That's usually all they consider. But they never put in consideration. What if no one gets it right? What if someone gets it right? What if one person is really dead even? So in round two, it basically, by default, they win. They have to put in consideration every possibility that happens. And it's really tough because there are some things like Jeopardy where you can't put in consideration like what someone bids a weird amount or what if someone bids five bucks and that's it. Or what if someone just basically just storms the game that Final Jeopardy becomes meaningless because they can just bet $0 and they guarantee the win. Uh, They have to put in mechanics to put in consideration what makes the game exciting. Should you just leave it as that because that's a rare event? Or do you just follow through? They have to make every sort of calculation. And sometimes they don't. This has been my uh, Game Show Corner. Sorry for, for putting you to sleep. Well, you know what that sound means. I don't know. That's that's new for me. The sound means that's the end of our show. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Game Shows. I suppose I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, we're in the middle of coronavirus, so everyone's going through some difficult times, and we hope you hang in there uh, while in quarantine, self-isolation, social isolation, whatever is the ways that you just want to just wind down uh, and, and, and try not to panic. That's all I can say. Uh, if you want to listen to more episodes of Game Shows, I suppose, this is on jordanhaas.com slash podcast. Feel free to tune in there. Uh, I am also on Patreon, patreon.com slash jordanhaas. Feel free to throw money my way there, I guess, and you'll get additional content uh, even outside of the world of game shows. I am on Twitter at jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A. Uh... It sometimes updates. And if you want to listen to this on the go, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Play, and we are on Spotify and a whole list of others. So feel free to look around and tune in. And join me next week when we talk about another great game show, I suppose. Until then, big smooch! Mwah!